News Network. Part of the climate agenda, along racial lines no less, is the claim that we're running out of fresh water. You do know it literally falls from the sky, right? Or is that too much truth for the baiters? Well, you're in the home of the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your host is Dan Newman. Just when you think you've heard everything, Corinne Jean-Pierre at the White House press conferences, (laughs) she proves we didn't know how dumb one can be and be part of a presidential White House. Oh my gosh. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live, our wrap-up of the week. We got a big show lined up. In fact, in just minutes, Congressman Mike Johnson joins us.
bet you hadn't heard that song in a while. Wow. Well, good morning again, everybody. We have a big show lined up for you on Friday. We do this every Friday. We kind of wrap up, and there's a lot to wrap up today. And who's going to help us in just about, oh, I don't know, six minutes or so, Congressman Mike Johnson is scheduled to join us to talk about much of what's happening in D.C., that we can't figure out down here. I hope when he gets here, he'll be able to shed some light on some of the insanity you and I are having to live through. Things like our president. It just seems like when you don't think he can get worse, he does. Want an example? Well, he complimented the merits of the Congressional Black Caucus during a speech to the Congressional Hispanic Caucus yesterday. That was his third public speaking gaffe in just two days. He made this mistake during a speech at the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute's 46th Annual Gala as he celebrated Gala Award recipient Sister Norma Pimental, Executive Director of Catholic Charities of the Rio Grande Valley. He said, And this is a quote, I know Sister Norma lives the lessons nuns taught me growing up, lessons based on the gospel of Matthew, feed the hungry, care for the sick, welcome strangers. They echo what my dad taught me, and I mean this sincerely. My dad used to say, everyone, everyone is entitled to be treated with dignity and respect. The Congressional Black Caucus embodies all those values. Well, this took place the day after he forgot to shake the hand of the Brazilian president, Luis Inacio Lula da Silva, known as Lula, before leaving a joint press conference and later that night repeated the same story at a fundraiser just minutes apart. He didn't stop to correct himself after making that blunder, which typically means he didn't get it. He continued, just think of the work we've done together on civil rights, on labor rights, health care, education. Folks, we've fundamentally changed the direction of our economy to grow from the middle out and the bottom up. That sounds really, really good. From the middle out and the bottom up, but don't ask me to explain it. I cannot figure it out. <laughs> Well, I think the congressman is calling us now. Let's see if we can get him on the phone. I think joining us now is Congressman Mike Johnson. Sorry, there you, brother. There you are. I got you now. I'm sorry. How are you? Uh, I'm busier than I've been in my entire adult life. How are you? <laughs> well, I'm trying to keep up with all that mess that y'all are doing, and I, I'm kind of failing on that end. Um, it's kind of busy. Uh, you're not the only one. It's kind of busy. Hey, listen, yes. I know, I know yes. you're in the middle of a huge weekend. I understand you guys probably staying over to do some work on getting budget stuff handled. I re- really appreciate you coming by. And I'm not going to keep you a long time. I got a lot of uh, text and emails, people wanting me to ask you some questions. First of all, let me just say this. We played the video of your back and forth with the Attorney General uh, the other day, and he was feckless as usual, but you really did a good job. I noted the last thing you said 
I'm out of time. You said it with like disgust that you had some more things you wanted to confront him with, but he didn't answer anything substantively, did he? No, not all day. And I mean, the hearing lasted, I think, six hours by the time it was all said and done. He, he came in as he did the last time he was in front of us, which is two years ago because of COVID. He got out of appearing uh, last year. But uh, he has he memorizes about four talking points and he repeats them over and over and over, regardless of the question that's asked. I mean, he's he's a very elusive witness. He is evading our questions, of course, because the answers are so damaging and it is just incredibly frustrating. I know how frustrated the people are, Dan. I know how frustrated my constituents are and our friends and everybody you and I talk to. Imagine being the one at the table where you only have five minutes and you really have five hours of questions. And and to do uh, a, a good job with interrogation of a witness, uh, a deposition of a witness, you have to have a sufficient amount of time to do it, especially one who comes with the purpose of running the clock out and evading. And so I, it's just the most frustrating exercise that you can imagine to be at the table. The thing that is going on right now that blows my mind and we live in the South. We're not South Texas. You're from Northwest Louisiana, but we're familiar with all the issues that our neighbors next door are going through. What blows my mind and most people that are reaching out to us are questioning, is there anything going to happen to stop the lawlessness down at our Southern border? And there's no other term to use other than lawlessness. Is there any hope? It's chaos. It, and and uh, you're exactly right. It's the most destructive thing that we can imagine happening to our country right now because the open border is, of course, the root of so many problems and societal ills now, and it gets worse by the hour. It's an unmitigated disaster, catastrophe. We run out of words to describe it. Here's the problem. Speaking of frustration, right? We only have a small, razor-thin majority in one House of Congress. We, we cannot pass legislation to fix it. Even if we were able to cobble something together and get it out of the House, of course, it will be dead on arrival in Chuck Schumer's uh, Democrat-run Senate. And even if by some miracle we were able to get it dislodged from the Senate, of course, the White House, you know, President Biden would veto it. So we are stuck. We are stuck. <clears throat> and, and uh, we've, you know, our first, our second bill in this Congress in the Republican majority was H.R. 2, which you passed out of the House. That's that's our, our close the border, secure the country bill. But they don't, they haven't even paid any attention to it in the Senate. So you're left with state action. So hats off to Governor Abbott in Texas and the other Republican governors who are doing everything they can, but they're thwarted at every turn by the White House. I mean, you, you've seen just in the last couple of days, I mean, Greg Abbott and, and the state of Texas uh, put up razor wire on the southern border, uh, and, and the, the Biden administration, Secretary Mayorkas and company, quite literally ordered Border Patrol and Customs agents to go down and dismantle the razor wire. To take it down, when 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 Governor Abbott put the the floating buoys in the in the river uh, that was preventing crossing, they, they the Biden administration went to a federal court and had them order it to be withdrawn. So they are. This is an intentional, as we all know, this is an intentional policy decision to open the borders wide and to, uh, frankly, and, and and right before everyone's eyes now, destroy our country. That's what's happening. There's not a darn thing that we can do about it until the next election cycle and, and only by God's grace uh, get a, a true conservative president uh, elected and, uh, you know, for us to maintain the majority in the House, grow it. 
and, and recapture the majority in the Senate. We must defeat these people at the ballot box. That's that's the only salvation that we're going to have. This president obviously doesn't feel the need to get both houses of Congress to agree with him on anything. He just decides to do whatever he wants, and he does it through executive order. How Help us understand this one thing that came out yesterday. His executive order, 472,000 Venezuelans are being given legal status to be here in the United States, which gives them the right to work here. 472,000. Where does this come from? How can any president arbitrarily just make a determination like that? We have immigration law. We have a process that is supposed to be used. Right, and he can't do it legally, and of course they know that, just like most of his executive actions that are completely unlawful and unconstitutional. Uh, he, he expects that it will be challenged, but as you know, it takes time to work through the court system, sometimes months, maybe as long as a year. So the damage will have been done, and uh, they don't care. They just simply don't care about the rule of law. So ultimately, a court will, of course, strike that down. It's on its face unconstitutional, uh, but but he will have accomplished its objective. And, and what ultimately is that objective, Dan? You and I have talked about it. They want to turn these people into voters, and they're calculating that the outrage of, of people even in the big blue cities like New York and elsewhere, California, that are being overrun, okay, that, that the, 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 the electoral advantage will outpace the outrage. And so their, their ultimate objective will be accomplished, and that is to hold on to power. I was told by a colleague from the state of Pennsylvania just two days ago that in that state, I've been so busy this week, I haven't had a chance to look this up, but maybe you and your listeners can. But apparently in Pennsylvania, there's some sort of executive order by the Democrats in charge there that they're going to now allow uh, anyone in the state who gets a driver's license to be automatically registered to vote. Well, here's the catch. The legals are eligible for driver's licenses in Pennsylvania. Okay, so they're they're trying to flood the system, the Democrats, with all these illegals who they're paying to stay here and giving them all sorts of benefits by taxpayer dollars uh, to to vote for them and keep them in office. I mean, that's that's always been the objective. That's the only way that they can win elections going forward, because their policies are so unpopular and disastrous. That's the game. And so that's what we're up against. That's what we're facing. We all know it. It is an existential threat (laughs) to our republic. And, and we're pulling our hair out every day because we don't have the votes in the Congress to, to fix it. Give me five more minutes. I know you're busy. You're in between. Thank you for coming here. This, sure. this problem that is happening, and I'm going to point out Texas specifically, there are really horrible legal implications going on from what's allowed to happen. We don't keep the numbers anymore. Texas Department of uh, Security used to do it. Four years ago, in a two-year cycle, there were 600,000 felony criminal acts committed by illegals against Texans. And I'm telling you that just to say this. There are some real problems where people are dying. I mean, those those charges were everything from first degree to murder down to breaking and entering, rape, all those kinds of things. Is there not something constitutionally where... Greg Abbott or any other governor, uh, the governor of New York, of course, she's all in for what's going on for illegals coming to her state now. She doesn't have to deal with it personally. New York City's getting the brunt of it. But is there no way, you mentioned what Greg Abbott did with the razor wire and the floaters uh, in the Rio Grande. 
is there no way he can declare an emergency over his state and be able to legally send his own National Guard down there to stop what's happening at our southern border? Wait a minute, Mike, we lost you for a second. I'm sorry, you cut out You cut out there for a second. You're back. Go ahead. Can you hear me now? Yeah, got you. Okay, sorry, I'm, I'm in between. Um, I, look, I, I, I may be mistaken, but I, I think that Greg Abbott may have already attempted that. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if if he's been able to maintain it or what the, the status of it is. But I do believe that he's he's tried that already. I mean, it is an actual emergency in every sense of the word in Texas and in these other states. Um, but he's been thwarted at every turn by the feds, and that's the problem. We're we're effectively in a battle with the Biden administration uh, over over the outcome of this, and they're going to keep the border open, in spite of the fact that Secretary Mayorkas and other administration officials come before us routinely and just lie under oath to Congress and say the border is secure and under control. Everybody knows that's not true, uh, but they have no interest in changing it. Well, if you look around. What's happening in the United States, especially in these big cities, it just seems like finally there may be a turning happening in understanding and realizing maybe we ate some boo-boos when we went after the rule of law, went after doing away with police because crime, uh, crime and criminality at every level is going through the roof. And in these big cities, I know personally a bunch of people that have just said, I've had enough. They can't even handle it. Uh, There used to be a thing when you lived in a a neat place with a big city, you like to go downtown. You like to be in the middle of everything. That's not happening anymore. Everything's changing, and it's changed. I know a bunch of it was in the process when Joe Biden was elected, but most of it, I would never believe that most of the criminality, the fear, all of those kinds of things from the top to the bottom in these state governments and some at the federal government would happen so quickly. And we've already seen the face of this nation change in disastrous ways. I mean, we're no longer the, the great country that has been as a leader, probably the leader in the world for many decades. We're not even there or we, possibly give us some hope are we possibly headed toward a real authoritarian government which you know they call donald trump a dictator a king wannabe an authoritarian we're looking at authoritarianism play out coming out of the white house every day now is it something that is a possibility that that kind of formality will take place and we'll have an authoritarian group of leaders that run everything well, I'll tell you, we're at the greatest threat of that in, in our lifetimes, and, and there's no question about it. It's beyond dispute. Obviously, America is the greatest nation in the history of the world, the most free, most successful, most powerful, not even close. And we have been the only undisputed world leader uh, since World War II. I mean, the entire world order is centered around the United States being the most powerful. Now, we have a near peer-to-peer adversary now with China for the first time. I mean, even during the Cold War with Russia, we were still – more powerful, which was why, because of Ronald Reagan's strong leadership and, and the, re- the other factors, we were able to to defeat communism, defeat USSR. <clears throat> but we're in a different situation now because now we have the opposite. We have weak leadership, as we, as we know. And 
um, it's a very, very dangerous time. We're in unprecedented uh, waters. We have unprecedented challenges on a daily basis in the Congress and everywhere around the country. Now, that, here's the hopeful part. The American people still agree with us, Dan. We're still a center-right country in spite of all the madness that's going on and, and the polling and everything else. People recognize that we're losing uh, these foundational principles that made us the greatest nation in the world. They don't know exactly how to articulate it all the time, and most people uh, who are not really paying attention or don't really know how to begin to get us back, but but some of us do. You do. Your very savvy audience understands these principles, and uh, we've got to keep fighting to get them back. I have hope in the American people. I mean, I'm, I'm an optimist, as bad as it is, and I think we can restore the foundations and return to this, but we are, there's no question about it, this is, call it what you will, a crossroads, an inflection point, a civilizational moment. This is our time, and the next, this next election cycle is going to decide all the marbles, not only for the United States, but for the future of the free world. And um, it, the stakes could not be any higher. Before you get away, tell us, we have a big group of people that are listening from your district, 4th Congressional District, Louisiana. Tell us, and then tell everybody else from around the nation that's listening in, what can we do? to assist you guys up there to get this stuff righted? Well, stay engaged. I mean, we, we all effectively at this moment, we have our hands tied in so many ways. There's only so much we can do. We were only given a razor thin majority in one house of the Congress. We have a three vote margin right now because of illnesses and other, uh, it, we're in a very, very, very difficult moment. Um, but, uh, it's always darkest right before the dawn. What we need to be doing right now is, is, um, is, is activism engagement. We need to be talking to our neighbors. We need to be, uh, giving voice to all of this. We, we've got to channel that energy and frustration that everybody's feeling into positive action. And the most obvious and simple thing is to organize for the election. We've got to make sure we, we're going to win the red states. We know the outcome uh, in, in most of the states, but <clears throat> in five states around the country, five or six, the swing states, that is where the battle is going to be fought. The next president will be determined by about 180,000 voters in the suburbs of like five states, right? So we have to we have to know that. The parties in those states have to be engaged and, and active and more involved than they ever have been before. We've got, to, we've got to follow the rules in those states. You know, if they have ballot harvesting, we'll Good grief. Republicans have to ballot harvest. It's as distasteful as it is to us. Uh, we have to do it. We've got to play by the rules that are there and win those elections because we cannot afford to not take Republican control again. And it's not even about party, Dan. It's about these principles that we all believe in. It's about trying to keep the republic. We're only 247 years into this grand experiment in self-governance. We don't know how long it's going to last, but this, these are the times that try men's souls, right? Um, this is it. This is the challenge of our life. And so we cannot, we cannot rest until we get those levers of power back. And then, then we need the influence of the people to keep those who are elected honest and on course. So we've got a lot of work ahead of us, but, but I think we could do it. Hey, listen, you do a great job in these interviews that you do. I know you've had a little <laughs> stint in media, but uh, you, you're, you're fit perfectly for it you do a good job you're a good communicator thank you for your service thanks for coming here when you come we love to have you and anytime you need to come talk to our people have kareem give me a call thanks brother sorry i was late this morning it's been a wild one (laughs) we got your back okay buddy talk to you soon thank you congressman mike johnson Uh, He is a good speaker. He does a good job when he uh, gets in these committee hearings and then when he speaks to the media on the
the national level, you're seeing him quite a bit. The reason, one of the reasons they put him out there, the Republican Party, is because he is such a good speaker. He had a stint in communications, and he was a, uh, a trial lawyer. So he kind of figured out how to do it. And I guess basically he's doing his darndest man. You know, I didn't want to get into the ugly stuff because it's it's way out of his control. And of course, I'm talking about the possibility of default on our debt because we don't have a budget put together. But I'm going to say this. I am sick and tired of leadership in Congress not doing the nuts and bolts and fundamentals that they are supposed to do, that we hired them to do, and they told us that we're going to do. We have 12 different items, 12 different systems that the House of Representatives constitutionally must put together and make a budget work covering all 12 of these different bills. They haven't done one, and it's due next week. Obviously, it's not going to be done, so we got to come up with a stopgap in their They're scrambling like I've never seen them scramble before. Democrats, where are they? They're loving every second of this. They're sitting off on the sidelines laughing their butts off at their counterparts because they're trying to, their counterparts, on the most part, trying to put a consensus together and get the right thing done. It must be impossible to live a life of peace up there with all of these moving parts and people, they don't care about doing the right thing. They don't care about the law. I mean, look at what happened in Minneapolis. Look at what happened in New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Chicago, Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Lawlessness has just taken over the country. And it's been applauded by Democrat leaders across the nation. At the state level, at the city level, and even in Congress, these Democrats, they were all in for defunding the police. How many people died because of that movement? Think about that. How many people's lives were changed permanently by lawlessness? How many people had to leave their homes? I know of several that moved and they lost a fortune when they moved and sold their homes because there was so much lawlessness in the area that nobody wanted to move in when they moved out. A lot of this is irreparable. And I, I, I tried to put it calmly to Congressman. I did mention and I stayed on the lawless thing because you know this. If you are a nation of laws and you don't enforce the laws, you don't hold lawbreakers accountable for what they do, you don't have a nation. You have a, oh, I don't know, a Venezuela, a Nicaragua, a Cuba. You have some third world country and we're no different from them. And that's the Joe Biden America that they, on his watch, have created and they're perpetrating it every day. Thousands of illegals coming across the border into Texas in one day. And then he waves his magic wand. You heard you, you heard me ask Mike about it. What about 472,000 Venezuelans we hear yesterday? He's going to wave the wand of executive action power from the White House 
and they're going to be giving legal status to be in the United States, which means they cannot be deported, which is part of immigration law that Joe Biden signed off on when he was in the Senate. It was okay then. It's not okay now. It doesn't fit the political narrative of the Democrat Party. I'm going to start a movement. I know the technical formal name of that party is the Democratic Party, but there is nothing about the mantra they spew that is Democratic. If you ever wonder when you listen to this show why I call it the Democrat Party, now you know why. It's not Democratic. Nothing they do is Democratic. Donald Trump did not try at all to destroy our democracy. It was exactly opposite of that. He fought to keep it in place and to make it stronger. He fought to enforce the law, even some laws that he didn't agree with. You know what? That's part of how a democracy is supposed to work. So where have they gone? What are they hiding behind and not wanting us to even recognize it? They've taken us, they've taken this nation as fast and as far as they can during this administration toward autocracy. And if you don't understand what autocracy is and what autocrats are, you need to get ready because you've got a bunch of them that are numbering among the 535 in the U.S. Congress now, and a bunch of them are under the name Democratic Party. Authoritarianism is about one thing and one thing only. One small group of people control every facet of the operation of a nation. It happened in Italy. In World War II, it happened in Germany. Hitler just took it a little further from autocracy, from autocracy down to Nazism, which is even deeper, more egregious control of everything and everybody. If you're not fed up with this, there's something wrong there. You need to re-examine your thoughts, your motives, where you really are in life and your thinking. And don't think you're don't think you're immune from any of the effects of any of this, because it's it's like throwing that rock into the middle of a pond. You may not be in that first circle, you know, the first one that comes out from the rock, but you're probably for certain in the third or fourth or fifth or sixth ripple. It's going to impact everybody. Look at what's happening in dollars and cents. If I had a little more time with him, I was going to talk to him about my um, Brookshire's supermarket experience because he knows Brookshire's himself and the loaf of bread story that I've told you used to pay little over two bucks for a loaf of bread same loaf of bread now at Brookshire's I paid five dollars and 65 cents for now is that same loaf of bread any better than it was before no it's the same stuff I wanted to ask him about the economic numbers that we're getting out of the Biden White House, all of the economical stuff. Janet Yellen, I've got a soundbite from Janet Yellen, Secretary of the Treasury, where she talks about Americans don't understand our economy is really doing good. 
autocracy. Forget about facts. We really don't care about facts. We're the government. We're autocrats. We control it all. We'll tell you when to blink. We'll tell you when to say thank you. And we'll tell you when to shut up. And you'll do it or we'll do you. That's where we're headed. We may not be there yet, but we are at least in the same zip code. Seriously. Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. Believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. (laughs) Movies right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute. It's stupid. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Saying it out loud. No spin, only the truth. Again, Dan Newman. So why don't we weigh into some of the things going on about spending, inflation, waste, all in our government. The post four ways Washington spending spree caused inflation with trillions, trillions in waste, fraud, appeared first on the Daily Signal. We Americans were unhappy, justifiably, with the state of our economy. The inflation numbers for August took a turn for the worse, meaning families have now lost $5,100 in purchasing power. All that just since Joe Biden entered the White House, 5100 bucks. In addition to the burden of inflation, rising interest rates are making home mortgages unaffordable pushing the American dream out of the reach for millions. While month-to-month economic numbers tell part of the story, a brand-new report from the Heritage Foundation explains how D.C.'s reckless spending pushed the economy to this tipping point we are at. Special reports titled The Road to Inflation, How an Unprecedented Federal Spending Spree Created Economic Turmoil. It shows that Congress passed an astonishing $7.5 trillion. $7.5 trillion in new spending between 2020 and 2022, or more than $57,000 per household. 
pushing this unprecedented amount of deficit spending had predictable consequences. And what is that? Inflation. So at a time when supply chains were strained, we were in COVID-19, the end of the pandemic. Remember that? Harmful government-imposed lockdowns, throwing more money at a lower volume of goods and services. That was only going to drive the cost of goods and services up. That's what it always does. It's what it has to do. It'd be one thing if the spending spree had been made of good investments. That's what they call every dollar they spend up there in D.C. They call it an investment. None of that. It's spending. That's all it is. An investment is when you take extra money. You know, money you have in the bank. And you decide you want to give it into something not to pay bills with, but invest in doing something new and having the money to do it. That's investments. Unfortunately, most of the initiatives, they were poorly designed. They were based on faulty economic reasoning, motivated by political opportunism. So let let me do this. Let me give you four areas where the federal government misused trillions in taxpayer resources during this spending spree. Welfare expansion, number one, causes world record fraud. Bet you hadn't even thought about this. At the start of our pandemic, Congress expanded eligibility and increased payments for the unemployment insurance program. At the time, it was pretty easy to predict that this would have negative consequences. We knew that it would incentivize workers to actively seek joblessness instead of jobs or otherwise gain the system to maximize the handouts. Incredibly, even the most cynical analysis underestimated just how big a problem it was going to be from this welfare expansion. Combination of individual scammers and organized crime rings using identity fraud built our government for at least $100 billion with upper end estimates of $350 billion to $400 billion. And we still don't know exactly how much was stolen. You want to put that in perspective? The Bernie Madoff scheme, remember that one that generated extensive media coverage and numerous documentaries? It was only $65 billion. And of course, naturally, the press is less interested in publicizing fraud enabled by a government welfare program, right? Number two, slush funds for state and local governments. In addition to increasing federal payments for mass transit, for education, for Medicaid, the spending spree included a whopping half a trillion dollars in few strings attached handouts to state and local governments. The first batch, $150 billion, was approved as protection against tax revenue declines at the state and uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. But it soon became clear that most areas were not experiencing a tax decline and the total amount of revenue loss was much smaller than expected, but the money was gone. It was already spent. Despite that reality, Democrats passed another $350 billion 
in slush funds. Since there was no revenue gap, state and local governments blew through their second round of handouts with inflationary check-cutting, spending, record-setting levels of corporate welfare, bailing out government-owned golf courses, tax credits for Hollywood studios, promoting tourism, oh, and special bonuses for government employees, and much more. Just like the unemployment insurance fraud, we'll never know the total amount of money wasted on relief payments to state and local governments. It's gone, much of it, into people's pockets. Number three, teachers' unions held schools hostage. Now, this is perhaps the most infuriating part of the spending spree took place in early 2021. In the middle of a raging debate about reopening schools with kids receiving substandard educations, teachers' unions were pressing to keep schools closed. That was part of a pressure campaign to give government-run K-12 schools a big federal handout. The Biden administration kowtowed the teacher to the unions, and it was later revealed that officials at the CDC colluded with union officials on school reopening guidance, and they did that to help stack the deck. At the end of it, Democrats approved $123 billion for public K-12 schools, rewarding the unions for holding schools hostage. Since there was no pandemic-related need for such a big amount of money, much of it went toward hiring sprees and raises for school employees. Obviously, the obscure nature of how funds were distributed means we'll likely never know what public schools did with all that free money. Next, Business support program defrauded. Remember that famous Paycheck Protection Program? It was passed early in the pandemic. It was designed to help businesses keep their employees on the payroll during the lockdown, driven the economic downturn. However, it was $835 billion. You remember that? $835 billion, this program, with Congress intending to get money out the door quickly right? It suffered from any guardrails. Hundreds of billions of dollars in spending were flagged for later review. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's going to happen. There were hundreds of billions of dollars in improper payments. The volume of fraud overwhelmed the system. While some violators, like a man who used the program to buy a $57,000 Pokemon card, That really happened. Some violators were caught, but countless others got away scot-free. So is there any conclusion to what this fraud and economic stupidity can come to? Let's try. In the wake of the spending spree, national debt is now more than $33 trillion or an average of a quarter of a million per household. Ignoring the dangers of such an incomprehensible amount of debt, ignoring the ongoing damage that elevated inflation is having on our family finances, 
Many in Washington are still determined to keep the federal gravy train rolling. The pending set of appropriation bills are loaded with pork, including goodies for left-wing activist groups, frivolous recreational projects. These bills also contain tens of billions in fraudulent budget gimmicks. They actually come up with ways to hide this spending. You got to work to get that done. Several other measures that would or could increase spending are also looming on the horizon, including the so-called Farm Bill, where most of the money goes to welfare programs and supplemental appropriations that would throw tens of billions more at Ukraine and to leftist nonprofits that encourage illegal immigration. It's crucial for the American public to be on guard against politicians. Politicians whose default response to most problems throw other people's money around. That's been a bad habit for many, many years. But now it's turned into a chronic addiction that we in the United States, we can't afford it. We just cannot afford it. I wish Mike had had more time to talk to us. I wanted to ask him about Janet Yellen and this conversation. I want to, This is the treasurer of the United States of America who's supposed to be always one of the greatest economists there is, understanding everything, which would mean, I would think, how whatever policies the U.S. Treasury adopts, whatever stuff that comes out of Congress that depends on dollars and cents, they, whoever the treasurer is, would know ins and outs about it all and would certainly every day have factual input into what's happening in our economic climate across the the nation, but would certainly always know what the American people are feeling in our economy. Listen to this. This is Janet Yellen. This is from yesterday. So it's not old stuff. She's dealing with the same stuff you and I are. But I think you'll agree after you hear this. She thinks a little bit different about it than you and I do. Americans' financial situation actually improved uh, during the pandemic. She claims the reality is, Jeffrey doesn't agree with that, versus what the public perception is. Mm. I don't, I'm not asking you to play therapist with the American voter, but there seems to be a disconnect between the numbers we're seeing and the way people are feeling about the economy and how do I- you account for it? I I agree with you that there's a disconnect, and um, I don't have a simple and convincing answer. But Americans have been through a lot. The pandemic really took a toll on American families, on children, on households. Um, We are enjoying a remarkable recovery, but um, also with high inflation, much of it reflecting supply bottlenecks that developed uh, during the pandemic and then with Russia's brutal um, attack on Ukraine, we saw a surge in uh, gas prices, in food prices. Um, so Americans have um, been reeling from high inflation. They do realize in polls that it's coming down. And Americans' financial situation actually improved uh, during the pandemic. 
Drew, thank you for that collective groan. I think I think that was you, <laughs> Jeffrey. It was Jeffrey that, and me. That, oh, yeah. All right. The way though that she combines all of these things, right? So and like I was just shocked it didn't get to climate change. Also, right? I, like yeah, of course right, that'll yes. be. That, I, we probably cut the clip too early. But this combination of things that sort of have nothing to do with each other, but are the talking points of the day. She did it very seamlessly there. Yeah, she's very clever. Well, you know, when she refers to the pandemic was devastating, the pandemic response. Yes, that's exactly my take. What we did is what we did yeah. in response to the pandemic that destroyed everybody. The virus didn't cause us. Cause us. And yeah. did you catch how she's blaming supply chains for the inflation? They never want to talk about the Federal Reserve, you know, which which unleashed, you know, helicopter money worth six point five trillion dollars. You know, we've never seen at the height. It was something like twenty seven percent annualized increase uh, just uh, yeah, just uh, incredible and as for Americans doing better yes we got stimulus payments do you know the value of those stimulus payments is now gone in light of all the inflation we've the, the dollar has lost between 16 and 20 cents from mm -hmm. its two, 2019 uh, 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 value. And so the stimulus payments are gone. It was the greatest head fake in the history of economics. I mean, it's like, look, you're rich, you're rich. Oh, thanks. This is wonderful. And and then they just took it all away uh, through inflation. As for uh, the Americans being better off right now, she's completely neglecting a very interesting survey that comes from the Census Bureau. Now, I trust this one because this is where the Census Bureau is actually asking people how much money do you, are you making this year? And the, the survey comes out every year. It's not from the BLS. It's not from uh, uh, an agency that the Biden administration has now kind of gotten clever at controlling. It's from the Census Bureau. So I tend to trust it. It comes out once a year. It just came out. American median household income is down for the third year in a row in real terms. Mm -hmm. So what she said is absolutely wrong. Our income is actually down for three years in a row. And Joe Biden is out there. He was in other countries. He was in Southeast Asia touting Bidenomics and the great thing it has done. It's got America moving again. Everything is really, really great. It's growing. Yeah, we had the pandemic, but I put Bidenomics in action and it's making every American be financially sound for the first time since the pandemic. None of it, none of it is true. And yet we have a guy that doesn't even know where he is when he wakes up, ever. And he's running this nation. Maybe the correct terminology would be uh, running this nation into the dirt. I believe that's what he's doing. And he doesn't understand what's going on around it. Let me give you an example. You remember the problem that happened up in East Palestine, Ohio. Palestine, Palestine. It depends on where you live, where you're from, how you pronounce the word. But you know where I'm talking about. That little train up in Ohio, little city up in Ohio, where the train derailed on February 6th. Toxic, all kinds of stuff came out of that train. Chemicals burned everything. And that toxicity has permeated that whole town. People have left. Nobody can stay there. They're getting sick. He didn't even go. 
Joe did not go down there to even try to calm the nerves of those people that were devastated by that rail incident. Norfolk Southern is a company, and they're they're taking liability for it. I don't think they have any other option, but they are. But then the president doesn't even go down there. He doesn't talk to anybody down there. But boy, he's come out swinging now. He's taking care of those people. He announced yesterday in an executive order, hey, the Bidenomics Biden administration, we're going to support the Ohio town over anything and everything to do with the toxic train derailment fallout. You know why I'm doing that? Because I'm Joe Biden. I'm the president of the United States. And my daddy used to say, Joey, if you can get it done, whatever it is, just get it done. Americans see through this, but our politicians don't think we do. Honestly, I think they really think that we're stupid. What does that mean? If they, any of them, whoever they are, they think we're stupid, they think we can have the wool pulled over our eyes, that we're listening to their lies and we're swallowing hook, line, and sinker, if they believe that, any of them believe that, they're going to act accordingly, which means they won't respond to us in a truthful matter. They don't care what we think about anything that they do. Autocracy That's how it functions. The Donald Trump world is nothing like that. When he was in office, he was transparent as any president I've ever seen. And you know why? Even if he didn't want to be that way, the media, the Democrat Party, they made sure everything that he said, everything he did, every interview he had, Every person that went in the White House, it was trumpeted to the world, but it wasn't trumpeted as it happened. It was not anything at all like it happened. They painted a negative picture about everything, even the great accomplishments that he made for us. They painted it always in a negative context. Why? Because they didn't want the American people to see and understand what true democracy from the top to the bottom of the government can and will do if leaders will stick to it. And so what is their worn out, tired old talking point process to diminish their political opponents? They say over and over, screaming it loudly, They're calling their political opponents exactly what they really are, not their opponents, but they point fingers at their opponents to get the eyes of the American people off of them when they are the ones that are stealing money, wasting money, breaking federal laws, governing by executive fiat rather than the U.S. Congress. And our forefathers warned us all the way back 250 years ago. They warned us that if this began and was allowed to continue, it would be the end of our democracy in the U.S. 
And by the way, Donald Trump's not in leadership now. This attack on democracy is being led by Joe Biden. The verdict is in. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Raid Shadow Legends. I mean... <laughs> you pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like uh, wet otters. But the bad guys, they're Lovecraftian. They're spooky. They're um, um, big. And then you go to battle. And it's like... And finally, your foe is vanquished, and that satisfaction is such a primal feeling. Ooh, download Raid Shadow Legends. Play for free. Ready to take your Jenga skills to the next level? If you're an all-star at building towers and balancing blocks, then build up the competition in New Jenga Maker. Play in teams to finish first and claim the crown. Jenga and New Jenga Maker. Reach the top of your game, each sold separately. The Speaker of the House lies. The media swear to it. The President of the Senate obstructs. The media are all over the place, but totally divorced from the truth. So let's get back to navigating this Stygian River with, again, Dan Newman. You know, you hear me spout all the time about these concerns about lawlessness, top-down government, not government of or by the, for the people, uh authoritarianism, whatever you want to call it. You hear me talk about that. But we don't hear much from regular Democrats about that kind of stuff. We just assume they must live in a vacuum because no credible individual would blindly follow that kind of leadership that would take us down the road towards totalitarianism. Authoritarianism is just a stop on the way to totalitarianism. Everybody knows that, at least every conservative does. I wanted you to hear one former Democrat explain why she doesn't think she will ever be able to vote for a Democrat again. I wanted to make this video because I wanted to explain why I have decided not to vote for Democrats probably ever again. I am an independent voter. Um, I'm unaffiliated, not part of any party. And I feel like I am the demographic that the Democrats should be trying to get. But it seems like they're only trying to go for their radical base. I am not a feminist. And it just seems like if you're not a feminist, the Democrats don't really seem to be talking to you. They just kind of seem to be regurgitating feminist points that I'm just not interested in. Um, so 
I am embarrassed to say this, but I was watching CNN and MSNBC during the election. And not that it's okay to insult President Trump, because I don't agree with that either. But what really caught my eye um, was when it was just this relentless attack on Trump supporters, calling them racist, everything, racist, xenophobic, transphobic, bigots, just in, pretty much calling them stupid, just these relentless insults. And I was looking at the TV and I was seeing his rallies. There were so many people there. And so eventually this, I just felt they were being so abusive to these, you know, to, to Trump supporters. So I decided one day that I was going to go on my phone to try to, you know, get to know Trump supporters. Uh, know why they support him. Because I just couldn't believe that these thousands, millions of people were like pretty much what the media was telling me were the worst people in the world. I just thought there's no way that that could be true. So then I went online and I just was so angry when I, I looked at thousands and thousands of hours of just different Trump supporters and saying why they specifically decided to vote for him because all of them have their different reasons. And they were such nice people. They were smart. They were kind. They were loving. They were extremely well-informed. And they were actually making arguments. They weren't just name-calling. Because, you know, newsflash to a lot of people, name-calling is not an argument. Calling somebody racist and bigots, it's not an argument. I, it, it, it makes me sad that clearly college is failing us because I have my doctorate. So I'm a college-educated person and I'm embarrassed to be right now because for some reason a lot of college-educated people think name-calling is, is some sort of argument and it's going to get people on your side just because you're screaming racist every five minutes. So to, you know, to be honest with you, I saw, and I was so angry at how much I was lied to by the media because the Trump supporters were not anything like what they told me they were. So I just, I, then I went down the rabbit hole and I started finding out how much they've lied to me my whole life, how much the media has lied to me my whole life. And I know people think I'm silly because they probably have known this for a long time. Unfortunately, I have my doctorate, but you can be intelligent, but not wise. So I realized I had a very humble experience realizing that I was not wise. Um, I got so angry, I cut my cable. I will never watch the mainstream media again. Um, I get my news from independent media, um, and I'm so much smarter than I ever have been, much more awake than I ever have been, and honestly, much more free than I ever have been. Um, to Trump supporters, I am so sorry for, even in the smallest way, if I contributed to your abuse, because I do feel like the media verbally abuses you nonstop. I am so sorry for any part I took in that. Um, I, I may not deserve forgiveness because you guys have been treated so badly, but I hope I can earn it by being better and doing better. And I promise I will be better and I will do better. I don't think it matters who you vote for. You should never be abused, verbally abused, physically attacked, just because of, you have a different opinion or because you voted for Bernie or Hillary or Trump or a third party. This is not how it should be in this country. 
And, you know, the other thing, too, is with, you know, legal, legal immigration, I see these people, you know, more of the radical left demanding, demanding, <laughs> demanding that people treat them with kindness, compassion and grace. You need to start doing that to your own American citizens because you are not treating your American citizens with kindness, compassion and grace. Because you're not doing that to people that support Trump. You're treating them like garbage. So don't demand that people treat illegal immigrants with kindness until you can start doing that to an American citizens. That's my thoughts on that. And I just makes me sick that these people are demanding that when they're so abusive to their own people. Um, I just, I'm just very sorry. And I, I hope that this platform can bring freedom to people to talk to who they want, to vote for who they want, without people unfriending them, their family, cutting them off. This is not how this should be. People are allowed to have their different opinions without being called all, every name in the book. Um, so for that reason, for the, just the way the Trump supporters have been treated, and I didn't vote for Trump. Um, so I don't think people think that, you know, I'm just saying, I didn't vote for him. I am very pleased with how he's doing. I am very, very pleased and surprised with how well he's doing. So I will say that I do respect our president. I've respected every president. I wasn't a fan of Obama. I didn't vote for Obama either time because I'm from Illinois and he was a senator from Illinois. So for me, that was a big problem because I know how corrupt Illinois is. Um, so right away, I had, a, I had an issue with him. So, but I always respected him, always, because he was the president. So until, and I, I hate even saying until the Democrats can do better, I don't think I can forgive them for the Russia conspiracy, for how they treated Trump supporters, fellow American citizens. I, I just, I can't forgive them for this. If you didn't notice, you could tell the timing. This was during that walk away campaign when it happened so much during the Trump administration. Former Democrats were awakening and they were seeing for the first time, most of them were seeing for the first time, how much vitriol and hatred that lives within the hearts of a lot of Democrats. Now, believe me, hatred has no political affiliation. There's plenty enough hatred to go around, no matter what you call yourself, a Democrat, an independent, a Republican, whatever you want to call yourself. There's plenty of hatred around. If people adopt Hatred, that's how hatred happens. It doesn't just jump on your back. Oh no, all of a sudden I'm a, I'm a hater. No. But I wanted to point something out. There's still, and this is a salvation thing for me, there are still people out there that are willing to look and listen at something, some things people say and do and to determine your opinion based upon facts instead of just emotion. Now, you heard her talk about all of that stuff. She just can't believe that she bought into that for so many years. There are tens of millions of people that are being exposed to the same input that aren't making the same decisions. Why is that? We live in a very complicated world. Many, many, many moving parts. Far too many for most people 
to even deal with. So today especially, one of the big things that point out to me how horrible the education system is in the United States of America, America compared to when I went to school. I went to public school. I didn't go to private school. I was a good student. I made a perfect score on the ACT. I went to college on a full scholarship. You don't have to be a member of any political party to be a good person or a bad person. Those are choices that we all make outside, in most parts, outside of our political affiliations. But my point is, if you look at the way people from the left treat people from the right, she just explained a part of it. Let me dumb it down even a little bit more. I'll tell you the difference between a a conservative, can be a Republican or not, I'm an independent, or you can be a hardcore Republican. But the difference between such an individual and a Democrat, a leftist, when you have political differences and you're talking to each other, conservatives on the most part, They'll listen to what you say. They may disagree totally with everything you say about Donald Trump, about Joe Biden, about the Democrat Party, the Republican Party, our economy, all of those things. You may have different opinions right down the line. If you're a Republican, that's okay. At the end of it all, you probably, if you're a Republican, a real conservative, you're going to look and listen And you may not say anything at all about this. You may just put a check mark up there and say, I've got political differences with this person. I'm going to move on. But flip flip that coin. And now you're a Democrat. And you're looking at that Republican on the other side. Instead of coming to a conclusion after conversing, that you've got political differences that are irreconcilable and you're just going to do your thing and you're going to hope. I'll continue to talk to them. If they ask me questions, I'm going to explain with my answers what my side of the political spectrum is regarding each of those issues. But instead of just doing that, Democrats immediately default to you're stupid, you're insane, you're an evil MAGA person, and you're not worthy of breathing the same air as they are. They've got to diminish you. They must destroy you because you're not worthy. Not worthy of what? You're not worthy of anything they don't feel you're worthy for. That's a big difference. And there are exceptions to everything, including that scenario I just painted for you. But in the most part, that is the way that it works. Conservatives have got to understand. You remember, if you were with us, when Mike Johnson, before he left this morning, I asked him, what can we do? What can we, the people, what can we do? And he said, stay engaged. Get engaged. If you're not engaged now, speak up. Let people know what you think about everything that impacts you and your family and your entire life. Let them know. Make sure they understand. Stay 
engaged instead of hiding under a rock or being too busy or not wanting to get involved. We have an entire generation of young Americans that grew up in that. They don't get involved. They're on their iPhones. They're on their iPads. They're constantly gaming. Social media dominates their life. In fact, most of the information and education they get comes from media rather than coming from teaching. I saw a story this morning about schools in Baltimore in 15 high schools. There are 15 public high schools in Baltimore. Of those 15, excuse me, of 12 of the 15, not a single student passed a basic fundamental math test, a math acumen test. Not one person, not one student. What does that tell you? It tells you that what's happening now ain't working. It's not working. And something needs to be done about it. And so far, nothing is. So let's move on. Oh my gosh. If you haven't this morning yet looked at truthnewsnet.org and our story there, you need to do it. Late last night, I got a, um, I believe it was a text, may have been an email from Steve Baker, our compatriot who's with us every Tuesday in our second hour, investigative journalist, investigative reporter. He's now working with the Blaze Media operation. And he penned a story he had been working on for quite a while. I knew about it. Blaze published it late yesterday. And the title of the story, it's on our website now. It's been live since about 11 o'clock last night. The title is Analysis. Does Ray Epps' guilty plea prove he is not a Fed? Now, if you're a regular here or if you've... um, followed up and listened after the show when we post Steve's segments up on our website or on our podcast as part of our second hour on Tuesday. If you didn't hear all that, Ray Epps is a guy that was front and center in the middle of everything to do with January 6th. Always on a microphone, always ramping up a crowd, getting people, begging, telling people, we got to go into the Capitol. Many that day felt like he was a federal plant, an FBI agent or some other agency that was there purposely to ramp up the crowd and get negative things happening. He's actually one of the most notorious figures in the January 6th saga. Well, guess what? He entered a guilty plea day before yesterday to a single misdemeanor count of disorderly conduct on that most notorious of days. Ray Epps has probably been the subject of more conspiracy theories and conjecture about his role as a federal operative at the Capitol that day than anybody else. In television appearances and testimony before the January 6th committee, Epps has repeatedly denied that he was working for the government that day, and there's no doubt definitive evidence anybody's found yet that says he was. Although the media, in their coverage of Epps' guilty plea, 
they repeatedly highlighted how he's been at the center of right-wing conspiracy theories about January 6th. It's fair to say the government itself has done the most to make Epps the center of attention and the subject of so many questions. What was he doing at the Capitol that day? Why did he tell those protesters, we must go into the Capitol? The government fanned these conspiratorial flames precisely because of prosecutors' seeming indifference to the actions of Epps that day, actions that were caught on video shared widely across the Internet, on social media. The Justice Department has indicted hundreds of people on multiple charges, most commonly entering or remaining in a restricted area or disorderly or disruptive conduct in a restricted area, disorderly conduct in the Capitol building, and parading, demonstrating, or picketing in the Capitol building. With all that, Epps managed to go two and a half years without a charge or arrest at all. And he was probably the most visible person on the grounds that day. Unlike many J6 defendants who were subjected to pre-dawn raids by heavily armed FBI agents and hauled before federal magistrates in change, Epps was allowed to appear in court on Wednesday with his attorney of his own volition. That's a little uh, mind-boggling under the circumstances. So in the federal charging document, and any time the feds charge somebody, there's one of those. In it, prosecutors noted that Epps made at least five attempts to de-escalate tensions between protesters and Capitol cops. Some of that appears on video. Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman, remember him? He's in prison for a while. He also appeared on video speaking calmly with the cops and attempting to pacify protesters inside the Capitol. But those scenes were only made public after Chansley was convicted in 2021 of obstructing an official proceeding and sentenced to nearly three and a half years in jail. By the way, Chansley was released in May not long after the video footage appeared of him apparently being escorted around the Capitol by the police. That was just one of those little uh uh-ohs that popped out after all the falderal and all that negative publicity. Add to that mainstream media and Nancy Pelosi's House Select Committee on J6 somehow managed to turn an indisputable J6 provocateur into a victim of right-wing conspiracy theories and ultimately a sympathetic figure. Every story about Epps this week pointed out how he and his wife had to sell their property and businesses in Arizona and fled to Colorado where they now live in a trailer in a remote part of the Rocky Mountains. News of his indictment and his plea deal appeared to please his allies in the media, who seemed to revel in the fact that the right wing had been denied a talking point. On X, formerly known as Twitter, NBC News correspondent Ryan Riley posted, Ray Epps, not a fed, says feds, by charging Ray Epps with federal crime. And he added, surely reason and logic will work now, and those who spread the harebrained conspiracy theory 
are going to hang their heads in shame. Former U.S. Representative Adam Kinzinger, formerly a Republican from Illinois, he sabotaged his career by joining with Pelosi's J6 persecution pack on the January 6th committee. He posted, well, this is awkward for the crazies. Ray Epps, subject of Tucker Carlson's J6 conspiracy theories, charged by the DOJ. Now, what am, what am I telling you all this about? What's, what, why am I saying that? We are going to learn at some point, hopefully in the very near future, but maybe not. It may take a lot of time. We're going to find out the January 6th happenings. None of that was extemporaneous. Oh, it was extemporaneous on the part of a bunch of innocent Americans that just went up there to see the transition of government for themselves, or they just went to D.C., wanted to see their capital. Many of them were there for the very first time. But I'm confident what we are going to at some point realize, this was very coordinated. It was very planned. There are too many moving parts for what happened to happen. And the way they happened, it had to be in large part purposeful. And so what we all need to do is keep our eyes open keep our ears open and listen because there are fats out there that we don't know yet. Sometimes some of us, we have an idea, we have a sense, we have a feeling. And there are many things. Let me give you an example. The 2020 election results. Oh no, Dan, don't go down that road. Don't go there. You'll get in deep trouble if you go there. Look, I made my own decision. I made my own choices, and I did it within the process that I use when I bring you information on this show and in stories we publish. And what's that process? You get facts. You get facts. You go to sources that you know you can trust or even go to sources that you know you can't trust, look and listen to what they're saying, and you're pretty well going to understand that the truth is somewhere opposite of what they say. But dig and find out the facts. Nobody can credibly say without any doubt whatsoever there was not election wrongdoing in those five, maybe not all of them, but several of those five swing states in the 2020 election. And just because people that are the movers and shakers in Dominion voting systems decided to go out and start slashing and burning with these massive lawsuits against anybody that would go public and say there was cheating in the election. Just because of that, a lot of people don't want to talk now. They don't want to get into those bullseyes, those red laser beams on the backs because they're confident there was wrongdoing in the election, but they're not going to talk about it anymore. If that is not the definition of authoritarianism or totalitarianism, I'll never understand. 
facts matter. You and I are owed facts from those who are in charge of us, meaning our government officials and the watchdog media that are supposed to be the watchdogs, looking and watching and holding these government members accountable for their wrongdoing and making sure we know everything good and bad about what's going on. I I just don't understand how we as Americans can let all of this stuff just blow by without jumping in the middle of it. We call ourselves intelligent. We call ourselves committed. It's just not there. And meanwhile, we have these committee hearings going on in D.C., and there are so many investigations out there, and there is so much battle in each of these investigations, and it's directly related to one side against the other side. Conservatives against leftists, Democrats against Republicans. And you heard Mike Johnson this morning. He said the only way that we'll ever gain control and get our government back to being a democratic government Our government, a representative republic, and accountable to the bosses, the American people, the only way that'll ever have to happen or will get to happen is if we have the House majority and the Senate majority. That's the only thing that's going to happen. That's really depressing to me. The whole structure of democracy is for the consensus of the people to rule, to be honored, to be the way that government operates, the consensus of the people. For that, that means you've got to have conversations. You've got to have debates. You have to have differences. And then you have to try to reconcile differences and find consensus. But apparently... Even the desire to fire, find consensus is gone. It's obliterated. It doesn't matter anymore. You just got to find a way and somehow dominate, control the House and the Senate with whatever political party power you are in. That's sad, but maybe that is the truth. And if it is, this nation that we live in and the one that we'll see in 10 years, 15 years, our grandchildren are going to grow up in, our great-grandchildren, it's going to look nothing like the democracy and the representative republic that you and I grew up in. And that's sad. So how can we change the tide? Speak out. Speak out. Republican Ohio Representative Jim Jordan, who's chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, He sent another subpoena today to FBI agent Elvis Chan after Chan left the country when his scheduled interview on September 15th fell through. The House Judiciary Committee is demanding Chan appear for a deposition on October 5th to talk about his role on the FBI's Foreign Influence Task Force ahead of the 2020 presidential election. House Judiciary subpoenaed Chan to give an interview Thursday after a dispute between committee investigators and the DOJ derailed that interview. 
based on representations that the date of your deposition conflicts with the dates of your official travel. As an accommodation, the committee is issuing you a new deposition subpoena that compels your appearance on October 5th. That's in the letter that Jim Jordan sent. House Judiciary notified Chan before his scheduled interview he was allowed to be legally represented by either his personal attorney or an attorney from the DOJ. The Department of Justice brought a staff attorney to the scheduled interview, even though Chan agreed to be represented by his personal attorney, and the interview fell apart as a result. I haven't heard anything about this until today. After an FBI employee traveled across the country to voluntarily participate in a scheduled interview, he was denied the right to have his chosen legal counsel accompany him. The FBI previously told the Daily Caller. Upon arrival at the Capitol, committee staff directed agency counsel to leave the premises and the interview could not proceed. This group, the FBI, TF. I know very little about them. The FITF. That's the Foreign Influence Task Force. Apparently has a whole lot of power. <sighs> My gosh. Just trying to get to the facts. It can be absolutely, incredibly difficult. You probably heard that Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has been in New York. He was there for several days meeting with lawmakers. Things are cooling down. Not the war itself with Russia. That's for certain. But what is cooling down is the former massive support of millions of Americans for funding Ukraine in this war against Russia. Zelensky's going to go to the White House and Capitol Hill to implore the U.S. for more support. And that would be in addition to the $100 billion in aid that Congress has already approved. A large number of lawmakers do not support Biden's call for an additional $24 billion in aid amid a spending bill crisis that threatens to shut down the government next week. There's no money in the House right now for Ukraine. That's from Republican Florida Representative Byron Donalds. It's not a good time for Zelensky to be here, quite frankly. That's just the reality. The House, it is controlled by Republicans. It's at odds with itself over what should be included in Congress's annual spending bill. That, if not passed by both the House and the Senate by the 30th, will shut down the government. Adding to that is a letter sent by 23 lawmakers to the Biden administration yesterday rejecting its $24 billion aid request to Ukraine. The American people deserve to know what their money has gone to, the letter said. How is the counteroffensive going? Are the Ukrainians any closer to victory than they were six months ago? It would be an absurd abdication of congressional responsibility to grant this request without knowing the answers to those questions. For these reasons, and certainly until we receive answers to the questions above and others forthcoming, we oppose the additional expenditure for war in Ukraine included in your request. 
You want me to tell you what's really going on here? Joe Biden blew it. He blew it. At the very beginning of this, this whole thing, at the very beginning, if we were going to get involved, we needed to find out and test and verify what's it going to take to win. And any decisions we made after that determination would be based on facts. Did Joe Biden never intend to win or help them win the conflict against Russia? Because we didn't go all in with Ukraine. We didn't put planes there. We didn't put those long-range missiles in place, all of which he asked for up front. We kind of slid little bits and pieces out when the heat got hot. And because of that, that process, another failed policy by President Biden, here we are, we're no closer to having peace over there in Eastern Europe. And all they want to do is throw more money after it. People in Europe, they're having second and third and fourth thoughts about it all. Poland's prime minister yesterday, he confirmed that his country's no longer going to send weapons to Ukraine. Poland has historically been one of Ukraine's strongest allies. They supplied Kiev with significant humanitarian, financial, and military aid as its counteroffensive against Russia continues. The decision will not affect a pre-existing arms agreement signed back in 1989, but will impact modern weaponry Ukraine was receiving going forward. We no longer transfer weapons to Ukraine. We are now arming ourselves with the most modern weapons. That's what the Polish prime minister said during an interview on Wednesday. If you want to defend yourself, you have to have something to defend with. And we just let Ukraine down from the very beginning. If we'd gone in full bore and given Zelensky everything that he asked for, we would definitely be at a different place in this. If not out of this, we would have our heels on the throats of Vladimir Putin and his minions over there. We would be doing the better part of winning that thing. That's, of course, if you let our military loose. But then I have questions about our military from top to bottom. I don't think our readiness is there. I think we have a bunch of woke people in leadership, and I think they're more involved and committed to the social structure of our military than they are to being a military and doing what militaries are supposed to be and what American military has done so successfully for us and for our partners around the world. Everything in this government is just topsy-turvy, and it's all upside down. Yeah, we've got this issue going on. Kevin McCarthy, if you were here for the interview with Mike, I mentioned, I didn't mention House Speaker McCarthy by name because I didn't want to wade into debt, potential debt default that we're facing right now, and more and more conservatives are bailing from their support. And what McCarthy has asked for, it's impossible to get those 12 funding bills put together, negotiated, amended, 
and get it done by the end of next week. And still, it would have to go across the Capitol floor to the Senate. They would have to approve it before it could be signed into law by the president. It's impossible to get it done by September 30th. So what do they do? What do they do? What do they have as far as a process, their fallback is what's called a continuing resolution, a CR. That basically gives, if there was or if there is a continuing resolution put in place, it basically, with some limitations, but it's going to give Joe Biden, if it's a 30-day CR, 60-day, 90-day, whatever it is, For that period of time, the government will keep operating at its current levels. And what will that do? Joe Biden will consider himself in a circus with a pot full of money that he can go spend it on pretty much anything he wants to. And there are a lot of people in the House that just don't agree with it. And they don't want to do it. Matt Gates, that firebrand from Florida, last night he made his opinion known. Mr. Speaker, I'm not voting for a continuing resolution. I'm not voting to continue the failure and the waste and the corruption and the election interference, and in some cases, the efforts that could lead this country into World War III. I oppose the CR authored by my friend and colleague from Florida, Byron Donalds. The Donald CR continues the Ukraine policy negotiated by Speaker Pelosi and Mitch McConnell in the omnibus that conservatives were against. The Donald CR is a permission slip for Jack Smith to continue his election interference as they are trying to gag the president, the former president of the United States, and the leading contender for the Republican nomination. And the Donald CR abandons the principle that it is only a review of single-subject spending bills that will save this country and allow us to tweeze through these programs and force these agencies to stand up and defend their budget. My friends, we are approaching the days where we're facing $2 trillion annual deficits atop a $33 trillion debt. This is unsustainable. And just to continue things with some facial 8% cut over 30 days that will lead to no programmatic reform is an insult to the principles we fought for in January. I yield back. So I guess you, like me, wonder what uh, really uh, Matt Gates thinks about all this. One thing you can say about him, he may be a firebrand. He may speak very loudly and be speaking down to people sometime. I mean, he's much younger than I am. Maybe that's something that's okay, but you never question where he is in his support. So what you heard from him, it's spreading around the House among Republicans. Speaker of the House McCarthy looks to have lost control of many House conservatives who are digging in and tanking his stopgap vote, that continuing resolution, because they want spending cuts and they want the spigot shut off to Ukraine. And McCarthy has visibly lost his patience over the deep dive in the House. He just lost a procedural vote for a second time to begin debate on a defense bill funding yesterday, and he's furious about it. He vented to reporters after the vote failed, calling the situation, quote, frustrating in the sense that I don't understand why anybody votes against bringing the idea and having the debate. And then you got all the amendments. If you don't like the bill, this is a whole new concept of individuals that just want to burn the whole place down. It doesn't work. 
he carped. CNN's chief congressional correspondent, Manu Raju, gave his take on McCarthy's frustration and the pickle that he finds himself in. Raju said, so viewers may have a hard time sorting out all the budget and spending issues they have to deal with here on the Hill. The issue that they had collapsed right now was a year-long bill to fund the Pentagon. Typically, Republicans all vote in lockstep for that Pentagon spending bill. Typically, they also vote for the rule. That is the first procedural vote that has to happen. Typically, the majority party votes for it. This time, and what has been now a common practice among these hardliners, I love that term, hardliners, They are voting against moving forward on the rule, the process, as leverage to try to extract concessions, leaving McCarthy in a bit of a jam, quite a jam. So there are calls. Remember, when he became Speaker, he allowed to be put into the restrictions and the process for that, that any member of the House can call for him to be removed as Speaker. So calls for that very thing, removing him as Speaker of the House, have been growing louder and louder over the last few days. The loudest comes from Matt Gates, who you just heard. He's urging fellow Republicans to make good on their threats to remove McCarthy for not keeping his promises. McCarthy lost it last week in a closed-door meeting over the specter of being booted Allegedly, he asserted, if you think you scare me because you want to file a motion to vacate, move the effing motion. In other words, make it. Gates called McCarthy's reckless and unhinged and rattle earlier this week. He also warned McCarthy about turning up Democrats for the votes he needs on the spending bill. Remember this, Democrats vote on everything that comes to the House And they don't have the majority, but he could, if he could hold on to the group of Republicans he has that have verbally committed for voting for this CR and the terms that are in it, he could go get some Democrats to support it just to get it done. And boy, if he does that, if he goes to get Democrats, it's going to be ugly. And the next two weeks could be really, really, really ugly. And he may lose his gig. Now, obviously, he would still remain as um, not the Speaker of the House, but he would still be in the House of Representatives representing his California district. I've got one thing that I cannot forget to talk to you about today. And I'm going to get to it. I want to make sure I get to it. But I won't. Laura Ingram, she came on her show last night, and boy, she lit my fire. And I want you to hear what she had to say. And it's about some very serious stuff. She'll be here right after this. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky pork. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar, too. You sample them all, cause the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste, and you're in love. 
Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. Yes. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle Snuggle... out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. How hard is it to unlock your car? Not hard. How hard is it to shut your car door? Not hard. How hard is it to start your car? Not hard. How hard is it to put your seatbelt on? People are still dying in car accidents because they were not wearing a seatbelt. Which is stupid, because it's not that hard. Smarten up, buckle up. Think road safety. A message from the Government of South Australia. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Dan Newman. Are you like me? You sit back and you analyze things in your life, in the world, as they pertain to us mostly individually. I mean, we... Life... Everything that happens, even the stuff in other cities and states and, of course, in Washington, D.C., they're all important to everybody. But how do they impact us personally? And how are things going on? How do we expect they're going to impact us if we keep them down the path, going down the path where they're going right now? Laura Ingram I think her glass is pretty much always half full, don't you? I mean, she's always pretty positive. She gets into it with pretty much anybody that comes on that uh, says something she disagrees with, and sometimes she can be a little caustic when it comes to that. But last night, she actually made a statement in a segment that she did and said that this is the end of our country as we know Hmm. Now, when lawlessness goes unchecked, really bad things happen. And under Biden, we see this play out coast to coast because criminals know it's a safe bet that they're just going to commit crimes and get away with it. So we're seeing an epidemic of retail thefts, brazen attacks in broad daylight. And then we see zombies doing and selling drugs right out in the open. And now migrants from all over the world are storming into America and overwhelming our already overwhelmed Border Patrol. Again, they come because Biden's DHS is encouraging them to come. And and by the way, the encouragement doesn't have to be explicit. It's implicit with every image of the thousands who are processed in quickly and then quickly released into the streets. And the Biden migrant magnet just got stronger today. 
He's granting 470,000 Venezuelan migrants temporary protected status, which allows them to get work permits. Now, what's that going to lead to? Of course, a further explosion in the number of people coming in. So tonight in Eritrea and Morocco, Pakistan and Chile, it will be sold over social media as Biden giving away free work permits. All you need to do is get there. So for what, $7,000 U.S.? We can help you get your dreams. It's come true, all of it. That's just what we need. More crowding of our schools and more downward pressure on wages. Thanks, Joe. And you may be asking, now, why do the Venezuelans get this temporary protected status and not others? Because it's what New York liberals are demanding. That's why. Top of my list has been Temporary protective status for Venezuelans. Yes, we spoke about it yesterday. The president uh, tipped me off and said we've been heard. He understands. And it ensures the problem is only going to get worse, including the drain on city budgets. And as I said, school overcrowding. Now, I promise you, today it's Venezuelans and tomorrow it's going to be two other countries and so on and so on. We must make sure that we extend temporary protective status for Venezuelan, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, Guatemalans, Sudan, South Sudan, Cameroon, and other nations. I think it's Sudanese, but now Biden's puppet masters need to keep those leftists in New York on board. Doesn't want to hear them complaining too much about the border. And this is how they're going to do it. But I have a question tonight. When do Americans get temporary protected status? And how is any of this legal? Remember, none of this is happening by accident, certainly not happening by mistake. This is the administration's policy. The goal is a slow transformation of America. Now, to accomplish its goal, the DHS has flown more than 200,000 illegal aliens directly into 43 cities. Now, I personally witnessed this in January at the Denver International Airport. It was unreal watching this play out. Now, Democrats defend the situation, of course, by just deflecting, by saying, well, look, our immigration system is broken. We have to fix the system. No, that's a lie. It was essentially fixed by Donald Trump. And that was one of the many reasons the left hated him. Because liberals despise a tightly controlled border. They believe in globalism and they hate populism or any type of economic nationalism, unless maybe China is espousing it. They hate America, too. And they hate America so much, our tradition, our history, our culture, that they prefer to start over with millions of poor migrants who have zero understanding of our founding or an appreciation of the American rule of law. Unlike during the Great Migration in the first part of the last century, migrant children today will not be taught an informed patriotism at school. Instead, they'll learn to hate the old America as shameful and racist. And we all know where that's going to lead. So what's playing out at our border and beyond is far more important than Hunter Biden and the money trail, as important as that is. And it's far more dangerous to our security than Russia's invasion of Ukraine. More on that next segment. Because an open border plus a massive welfare state plus no risk of deportation is a recipe not just for discontent, despair and disunity, but an end to our country as we know it. 
The Biden team is looking more like a criminal enterprise to me every day. It's lawlessness as far as the eye can see. They know their policies are turning cartels into billion dollar enterprises. They know they're sending criminals into our communities. They know they're compromising our safety and our financial stability. So if this isn't a conspiracy to undermine U.S. sovereignty, then I don't know what is. And that's the angle. Well, Mike Johnson put it succinctly in the segment we had with him this morning. I asked him about that. What's going on? What's it all about? And he said, we talk about this all the time, Dan. It's about getting those people that get here, those illegals that come here. Forget about the fact they're here illegally. Forget about any responsibility under the law for people that suborn them coming here illegally. If they maintain power, political power in Congress with the White House, their plan is to make these illegals legally able to vote. And when they get these people legally registered to vote and they vote, they're going to vote for these Democrats that are giving them all this access to everything you can imagine that you and I work our butts off to have and to get. They're giving it to them free to those people, but we are the ones that are paying for it. They'll have a permanent Democrat Party government as long as they can get these people in the country somehow. And when they get the next big majority in government, the Democrats are going to make them legally able to vote. It's over then. Now, is this gloom and doom? Is this the end of the world? No, it's not. As Mike Johnson encouraged us this morning when I asked him on your behalf, what can we do? What do we need to do? He said, stay engaged, get involved, speak your mind, call those in office that represent you and make sure they understand what you think about the rule of law, how it impacts you. Speaking of that, Auto insurance prices have skyrocketed following the pandemic, making cars even more unaffordable for average Americans than ever. And you know what else is driving that? Crime. Traffic accidents are driving up the number of claims filed. Inflation raises the cost of cars and repairs, leaving insurance companies. They have to raise premiums to meet those expenses. Nothing exists in a vacuum anymore. Everything impacts everything else. The U.S. personal auto insurance market is being hit hard in this inflationary involvement. Scott Holman, the director of media relations at the Insurance Information Institute, said, in addition to inflation, we're seeing a dramatic increase in accidents on American highways. If it's not one thing, it's something else. Inflation's driving our cost of everything through the roof. It's impacting every part of our lives. Joe Biden and his minions, they just clap it down when somebody wants to talk about it. You heard Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen today. She actually came up and said, Americans economically are doing better since the pandemic. That's poppycock. It is not true. I don't know any Americans that are doing better. Maybe, maybe the elite, the class of elite Democrats in D.C. 
Maybe they're doing better because they're getting their little benefits financially that none of us are seeing. But it's not getting better for most of us. Well, thank you for being here every day, but thank you for being here, especially on Fridays. Remember, we'll have a busy weekend. Our bullet point offering, we wrap up every week with the top and most important stories of the week every Saturday morning. It's a great way to start your day with a cup of coffee, relax, and catch up on the big news of the week. You have a great weekend. Don't sweat it. Be with your family. Go do something fun together as a family and just enjoy your weekend. See you Monday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time, right here at TNN Live. So long, everybody. Lost and all alone I always thought that I could make it on my own But since you left, I hardly make it through the day My tears get in the way I need you back to stay I wandered through the night And searched the world to find the words to make it right All I want is just the way it used to be I need you here with me I've got to make you see That I'm lost without your love Life without you isn't worth the trouble of I'm as helpless as a ship without a wind A touch without a fear
Thank you.